Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Have you ever wondered what God is like, or what Jesus was all about, or how you get saved, and what getting saved means anyway? Well, if you've ever felt embarrassed to ask, please don't. I really want to help you understand our big, amazing God. And a great place to start is a little book that I wrote called The Basics. God, You, Jesus, and Faith. And here's more good news. If you're always on the go and don't have time to read, you can now listen to The Basics as a podcast series. Just search for The Basics with Pastor Mike Novotny wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is love? It's a really simple question, and yet at the same time, it can be a really tough one too. And I think it's tough because everyone seems to have some kind of opinion or answer to the question. From Shakespeare to celebrities, music to movies, Google, Twitter, poems, sonnets, novels, books, everyone seems to say something about love. So, what is love? Is it a feeling or an emotion? Is it an action or an activity? Is it something you have to find or something you have to do? Is it something you should have for all people or some people or do you love people differently? We could ask questions all day long, but I guess I'll just stop and take us right back to the source for our solutions. Instead of getting lost in a world of words, let's go to the word for some answers. And thankfully, God's word has a lot to say about love. So if we ask the question, what is love? I'll point us first to 1 John chapter 3, where it says this. This is love, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It's an amazing thing when we think about love and we look at the Bible on this topic over and over again. The Bible keeps pointing us right back to Christ and his cross. If we really want to know what love is all about or how God feels about us, then, then just look at Jesus. Even though we don't deserve it, even though we have failed our God over and over, God sent his son Jesus to live and die for us, to bring us forgiveness, to give us the gifts of life. I think you know another famous love verse related to this. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So if we're asking about love, we first have to look at who God is and what God has done. And when we see his selfless, self-sacrificing love, then we know what love is really like. In fact, love so defines God and his actions and activity that in that same book of 1 John, he says twice in chapter 4, God is love. So I guess we can call this our baseline, our foundation for the series this week. If we ask, what is love? Just look at God. Look at his incredible love, his mercy, his grace. Not only what he feels about us, but what he's done for us and given to us in Jesus. And now that we know God is love and what he's done, Come back the rest of the week for the rest of these videos and we'll take a look at what this looks like in our everyday lives under this great umbrella truth that God is love. Have you ever noticed how the English language ruins a lot of words? Unfortunately, the way we talk in English is usually not very specific and so we rob words of their importance and their meaning. And I suppose you could say and make the argument that there's hardly a word where this happens more often than 
the word we're thinking about this week, love. And just think about all the ways that you use the word love in your everyday life. For example, I could say, I love God. I love my wife. I love my children. I love the beach. I love good, warm weather. I love Big Macs. I love basketball. And sorry to half of you out there, I love Coca-Cola. But I think it's pretty clear. I hope it's clear to you. I clearly love my wife and my children more than I love Big Macs and Coca-Cola. And yet this is all the same word, love. Well, yesterday we thought about the, the fact that God is love. That's the baseline understanding for what love is, who he is, and what he's done. But with that important foundation, we can kind of use some other things to help us more fully understand how to love other people. And so where we have one English word, love, in the Greek language, they actually have four words for love. And this has been made more famous over time because a really famous and popular author named C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves. So I'll tip my cap to C.S. Lewis here. And the rest of this week, we're going to look at these four loves and how that fits in with how God loves us. So today, I'll throw the first one at you. It's this Greek word, storge. C.S. Lewis would call it affection. And so if you're going to think about storge, affectionate love, think in your mind, family love. This is the kind of love that parents would have for children or children for parents, maybe that you would have for your siblings, your grandparents, aunts and uncles, that kind of thing. So storge love has this sense of comfortability to it and familiarity, even just a little bit of obligation. So not everyone loves crazy Uncle Eddie, but he's your uncle, and so you love him, and yes, you're going to hang out with him at Thanksgiving dinner. That's storge love. But it's not just family love, though. It can also be the kind of love in a, a relationship that has grown over time to be like family. So maybe you can think of someone you went to college with or lived with for a while. Maybe if you served in the military, the people that you served with, or, or even church members that you've grown to know over a long period of time, that affectionate love that you have because you've been through memories and experiences, laughter and tears, that's Storge love. If I think about the Bible and some examples of this kind of love, my mind goes to a couple different sections. I think of Philippians chapter 1, and there as he begins this letter, Paul writes to the Philippians how he just misses them so much and remembers them and prays for them and he's thankful for them. And he even says he longs for them with the affection of Christ Jesus. That's a Storge kind of love. Or in Galatians chapter 6, we're encouraged to do good to all people and to show love, especially to the family of believers. In Romans 12, it tells us to be sincere in our love and to be devoted to one another. This is all kind of that idea of storge love. So here's what I want you to do. Take some time in your thoughts and especially your prayers today and thank our Heavenly Father for all these people He has blessed you with that show this kind of love. They reflect God's love because they have affection for you. Family members, aunts, uncles, grandparents, parents. Maybe think about those childhood friends, people you may have worked with for years, or, or yes, even that couple that sits behind you every week at church. What blessings these people are that, that they're able to show us this affectionate storge love. 
And at the same time, just pause and reflect. Who has God given you the opportunity to show this kind of family-like love to? Someone in your immediate or extended family? Someone you see every day? What a blessing to have these close relationships to show affectionate love and to always point us back to our God as we remember this awesome truth that God is love. This week we've been pondering the question, what is love? And that question has been answered by a foundational truth that God is love. We understand love through who he is, what he has done, and what he's given to us. But we've been expanding that as we've been looking at what C.S. Lewis calls the four loves. So in the last video, we thought about storge love, which is a Greek word for family love. So here's another word I'm going to throw at you today, and it's the word philia. Philia is the Greek word for what we would understand as friendship love. And I just love what C.S. Lewis writes about friendship love. He has a lot to say, but two profound thoughts. One, he says that you know, the love between lovers is a face-to-face -face kind of love. So think of like intimate conversation or a hug or a kiss. But the love between friends is a side-by-side -side kind of love. He also says that this philia love, this friendship love, is not between like naked bodies, maybe husband-wife kind of intimate love, but it's between naked personalities. Now that's a profound thought. So in other words, philia friendship love is when you have someone who's at your side. That could be just chilling and relaxing, binging Netflix, sitting and talking about sports or going on a hike together. But maybe more importantly, a true friend is someone who is at your side through thick and through thin, someone who's always there for you. And at the same time, you're going to spend a lot of time with this person doing activities or, or just living life with them. And they're going to be someone who knows your whole personality, everything about you. And so they know all your character flaws, all your little quirks and weird character traits. And you know what? They still want to hang out with you anyways. That's philia. So maybe you can think right now about those couple people in your life who have shown true philia friendship love to you. I like to say often when I'm teaching students that this kind of love can be seen in a couple big life event, events. Maybe think of your wedding uh, and the people who stood with you at that wedding or attended the wedding or the birth of a child, people who send you greetings and gifts or, or diapers for the kid. Or when there's a funeral or a tragedy, those people will show up for you and show their love. Or here's a weird one. How about when you move? Who wants to spend all kinds of time when it's like 90 degrees out or pouring rain and just carrying junk all over the place? A friend will be at your side. And the amazing thing is, again, those friends know everything about you. They know that you like to blow your top and you have a little bit of a hot head sometimes. And they know that you have this weird obsession where you spent like half a fortune on collecting beanie babies. And yet they're still with you and they'll even go rummage sale shopping with you and find more beanie babies. That is a real friend. Once again, this kind of love points us back to God and how he loves us. And my mind is going instantly to the night before Jesus died. And so he's with his disciples and he's teaching them about how he's going to sacrifice himself for them, for all people. And Jesus says this, I have not called you servants. Instead, I've called you friends. 
I mean, if anyone should be servants, poor, miserable sinners like we are, we should be servants to the King of kings and, and Lord of lords. And yet Jesus, in his incredible love, comes here to this world to live and die for us so that we can live with him in heaven to bring us into this close relationship of friendship. It's just marvelous. And so if you want to know more about what the Bible says about friendship, do a little search. You'll find tons of verses about what good friends are and how to be a good friend and how to find wise friends in your life. Or maybe you can read a little Bible story about David and Jonathan in the Old Testament, maybe one of the great friend stories of all time. Or do a little search for Barnabas in the New Testament. We don't know a lot about Barnabas, but every time we see him come up, man, is he encouraging to everyone. That's philia love. And so as we think about all the blessings that God gives us in life, and, and he just showers us with blessings, to think that our lives are so enriched by these cool relationships that we call friendships, what an even greater blessing that we can show love side by side with other people as we reflect back on our God and remember once again that God is love. Today I have another word for us to ponder when it comes to love. So far we've looked at the word storge, which is a Greek word for family love, and philia, a Greek word for friendship love. Well, as we explore the four loves, here's a tough one for us to chew on. It's the Greek word eros. So if you're going to think about eros love, have in your mind the word passion. So this could be like passionate feelings, passionate emotions, even passion physically, that kind of thing. So right now, I serve as a pastor at a Christian high school with like hundreds of teenagers. And I'll tell you, I see this kind of eros love pretty much every single day. And so think of like the young high school couple dancing at homecoming together and oh, their hearts are racing and their palms are sweaty. That's eros love. Or the young couple walking down the hallway, just swinging their hands back and forth and oh, I can't believe I won't see you for two class periods. I'll just miss you until lunchtime. Yeah, that's definitely eros love. Or the young lady on social media who posts on her story, just that important post. Oh my goodness, it's been the best five months, six hours, three days, and 10 seconds of my entire life, and I'll just die without you, baby. That's, yeah, that's Eros love. So it's not completely shallow, but a little bit. It's so deep on emotions and feelings, though. And, and yes, as I mentioned, it can even be a physical kind of passion. So I suppose you could say like to the fullest extent, Eros love would be expressed in sexual love. That is, after all, where we get the English word erotic. It comes from Eros. Now, please understand, Eros love in and of itself, though, is not a bad thing. A physical kind of love, emotions, feelings, these are blessings from God, too. And if you think about it, it's really what makes us uniquely human as the crown of God's creation and different than animals. What a blessing to be able to have feelings and emotions run through our minds and tug on our heartstrings and to see maybe like your spouse or that special someone and your heart just beats for them. You love them from your gut. That's pretty cool. Now, that having been said, I want you to imagine big, bright, blinking neon lights that are just flashing, warning, warning, warning. 
Because let me tell you that the abuse of Eros love is one of the devil's oldest tricks in the book. Just think about all the ways we abuse this kind of love with sexuality and sexual sins in our world. Think about any song you might listen to on the radio, in the pop charts, or on your streaming service, or even relationships in TV and in movies. Almost all of this is based on an Eros kind of love only. Even think about the way we talk about like falling in love or as the teens would say, catching love, catching feelings for someone. Or how about the phrase making love with someone? Almost all of this is based on feelings and emotion and passion and physicality only. In fact, I might even go so far as to say publicly right here on this video that my opinion is one of the biggest root fundamental problems in our culture is the abuse of Eros love. How many relationships have been shattered? Marriages, friendships, and any other kind because of a focus wrongly on Eros love and passion. And so what we need to do is we need to ground ourselves again. We need to go back to our God who is love and think about the selfless kind of love that he shows to us. And we need to think about how personally God knows us in a very intimate way and in that he knows everything about us. He sees everything we do and yet he still loves us so, so deeply. And so if we're going to think about showing Eros love, it's that kind of love that needs to be, again, the foundation or the building block. Now, if you want a concrete example of this, I'll just point you in a direction real quick in the Bible. When you're free, sometime take 30 minutes, maybe less, and read the book of Song of Songs, sometimes called Song of Solomon. It's a little confusing, but just briefly, it's a big Hebrew poem love story about a husband and wife, and oh boy, are you gonna see some passionate Eros love. Now that is an appropriate kind of love. So there's nothing wrong with feelings, nothing wrong with emotions or physical love, this Eros love and passion, but let's have Eros love appropriately. Let's show Eros passion love for the appropriate people. And most of all, let's have God's amazing love drive all our passion for all people as we remember how God is love and has loved us first. Earlier in this series, I asked the question, what is love? And aside from getting a 1990s pop hit song in your brain, we redirected ourselves to the fundamental truth that God is love. And understanding that defines who he is and what he does, we've been exploring the different ways that love is experienced in our lives through something called the four loves. So we've thought about storge love, which is family type of love. We've thought about philia love, which is a friendship love. In the last video, we thought about eros love, which is a, a passionate feelings-based love. And so now that brings us to the last of the four loves, and well, I've saved the best and most important for last. I bet you've heard this Greek word at some point in your life. The fourth word is agape. And oh man, is agape love so special. Agape love is self-sacrificing, it's selfless. Agape love is forgiving. Agape love is so incredible because it means that you love someone without any regard for who they are or for what they've done. And really the epitome of agape love is found in Christ. 
Jesus himself said to his disciples the night before he died, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And sure enough, in just a few hours, Jesus did that, not just for his friends, but for all people of all time, for you and for me. Well, one of those friends, one of those disciples, John, kind of became known as the apostle of love because he wrote about it a lot. And so he went on to say this, This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Or he says this, that love is that God sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. It's not that we love God first, but that God has loved us. You see, this is, again, the epitome of what real, true love is that Jesus, even though we don't deserve it, didn't expect it, would come here for us, to live for us, to sacrifice for us, to pay for and take away all of our wrongs so that we could be in a close relationship with God, so that we could live with him in fellowship and in love forever in heaven. That is agape to the fullest sense. And so when this apostle of love goes on to say twice in that same letter, God is love. I suppose it's not going to be a surprise when I tell you, guess what? That Greek word there is agape. When we know God's agape, selfless love, it really is the filter that we look through all other relationships and all kinds of love through. So you might read about love in the great love chapter of the Bible, 1 Corinthians 13. Maybe you know some of those verses. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, etc. Well, guess what? That word for love is agape. Or you could read in the Bible about all kinds of relationships like marriage and how husband and wife should love each other, like in Ephesians chapter 5. And guess what the word for love is? Agape. You see, when we understand God's selfless love, his self-sacrificing love, his forgiving love, his mercy, his grace, and the list could go on and on, that is what shapes us as God's people to show love to one another. Do you want to have a better storge family love or philia friendship love? Do you want to have a more appropriate and pure eros passion love? Agape love will always be the foundation. It will always be the basis for how you love all people in any kind of way. So as you think about love and this amazing truth that God is love, he is agape, selfless, self-sacrificing love, put your eyes on Christ and his cross. And then you will see as you do that, that love doesn't just define who God is, but it will define you too.